Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. Thanks a lot, James. Church school has actually just gotten started, you know. And we do, in fact, need a few new teachers at the moment. It would help us out if you would say something good about teaching, about how it's rewarding and enjoyable and not all that scary. But no, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Real inviting. Thanks for that. The start of the third chapter of the letter of James is not great church school recruiting material. That's for sure. The author of this letter is undeniably hard on teachers. Though to be fair, he's not exactly thinking about the church school team at the Lutheran Church of Geneva in 2021. He's thinking about people standing up to teach in the early Christian communities, raising their voices to give shape and form to this movement around Jesus that was still just getting started. And in that particular setting, he recognizes the profoundly important role teachers will play. And he's hard on them, because their business is words. And words are a powerful thing. James is graphic and vivid when it comes to describing the power of language. The tongue is a tiny part of the body, he says. But look at the enormous effect it can have on our lives and on the world around us. It's like a small rudder that can change the direction of a great ship. It's like a single match that can light a great fire. It's like a microscopic virus that can turn society upside down. He's right, of course, but you don't actually need to come to church to hear how much damage can be done with words. We all know this, right? It's right there in the news and it's right there in our lives. A careless joke at another's expense can lodge deep in the heart and create emotional scar tissue over time. An insult spoken in anger can leave ripples spreading throughout another's life. A trusted leader spreading misinformation or hate speech can start wildfires of destruction with disastrous consequences. We all know about the damage words can do. But James offers something more besides just a reminder of that familiar truth. He offers us an opportunity to think about what our language has to do with our faith. Because for James, the two are intimately connected. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless, he said a couple of chapters ago. What we claim to believe ought to make a difference in the way that we speak. Part of this, for James, just has to do with consistency, with integrity. If you've been around the past couple of Sundays, you'll remember that's a primary concern of James throughout this letter. If we say we believe in Jesus, then our lives ought to show it. We're to be doers of the word and not just hearers. We're to be busy with works of mercy toward our neighbors, not just with spoken professions of faith. The same principle applies when it comes to our speaking. If we use our mouths for holy things, proclaiming our faith and praising God, as James would certainly have us do, then those same mouths ought not be used for unholy things. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, James writes with palpable frustration. This ought not be so. It's like a fig tree 
that instead of sweet, ripe figs produces hard, bitter olives. It's like a spring in the old town that instead of cool, clear water produces thick, undrinkable sludge. See how this fits James's way of thinking? It's about the integrity of our faith, of what we say we believe. There should be no split between our confession of faith in Jesus and lives that are shaped by that confession. And just so, there should be no split between our faith in Jesus and speaking that is shaped by it. We've been blessed by the generosity of God, and our speaking ought to be a blessing to others. So that's certainly part of it, but there's more to it besides. Because look at the particular way that James phrases his complaint here. With the tongue, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the image of God, he says. The language there can't help but take us back to the very beginning of the Bible, to Genesis 1, to the creation story, where God determines to make humankind in God's own likeness. All of humankind, in its immense diversity, mirrors in profound ways something of what God is like. Much has been written over the years reflecting and wondering about just what that likeness amounts to, whether it's reason or the capacity to love, or to be in relationship. And maybe we can also see one facet of what it means to be created in the image of God in the story that just follows that first creation one, right in Genesis 2, where the task given to the newly created humans is to name all the animals. God brings the animals to Adam, and it's Adam's task to give each one its name, to find words for these freshly created creatures no one has ever seen. The human is a collaborator here with God, in a sense, creating alongside God. The capacity for language is one of the wonderful things we've been given by God. Words are not just toys to play with. They're powerful tools that actually have enormous creative potential. Language is one of the ways we share in God's creative work. As biblical scholar Luke Timothy Johnson puts it, words create worlds. So as people of faith, we have a particular calling to use them well. I was reminded this week of a TED talk given more than 10 years ago by the great Nigerian novelist Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Her talk is called The Danger of a Single Story, and there's a good chance at least some of you might have seen it. When I looked this last week, it had been viewed 28 million times. So there's probably somebody in the room who's seen this. Her main argument is that our culture and our lives are complex, made up of many overlapping stories. And when we reduce another culture or another person to just a single story, we inevitably come up short. She illustrates how this worked in her own life with a number of examples. When she was growing up in Nigeria, her middle-class family employed a boy who helped with housework in their home. And her mother always said that his family was very poor. That was the single story she knew of this other family until she visited their home for the first time when she was seven or eight years old and discovered a beautiful, intricately woven basket that a member of the family had made. I was startled, she said. It had not occurred to me that anybody in this family could actually make something. All I'd heard about them was how poor they were. So it had become impossible for me to see them as anything else but poor. Their poverty was my single story of them. 
When she arrived in the United States to attend university at age 19, she says her American roommate was shocked by her. She asked where I had learned to speak English so well and was confused to learn that Nigeria happened to have English as its official language. What struck me was this, she said. My roommate had felt sorry for me even before she saw me. Her default position toward me as an African was a kind of patronizing, well-meaning pity. My roommate had a single story of Africa, a single story of catastrophe. In this single story, there was no possibility of Africans being similar to her in any way, no possibility of feelings more complex than pity, no possibility of a connection as human equals. That's the danger of a single story, reducing another person to being simply poor and overlooking his creativity and motivation and resourcefulness, reducing another place to the challenges it may be facing and overlooking its cultural diversity, its ingenious and inspiring people, its rich history of accomplishments, and its future aspirations. The consequence of the single story is this, Aditya says, it robs people of dignity. It makes our recognition of our equal humanity difficult. It emphasizes how we are different rather than how we are similar. James would add, it reduces others to less than they are. Beloved children created in the image of God. The church has, of course, told plenty of single stories over the years. It's told a single story of who God is, male, domineering, and almost always white. It has told a single story of who the people of God are, reflecting the cultures and viewpoints and backgrounds of those who happen to be in power. It has told a single story of who the other is, ignorant, without wisdom or insight, with little or nothing to contribute. My brothers and sisters, this ought not be so. We worship a God who has created people in wonderful diversity and complexity, and who's given us the gift of language to honor that complexity in one another. And when we're willing to leave the single stories behind, we can use our words to create new ones, ones that are spacious enough for all of God's people in our varied cultures and backgrounds and sexualities and abilities in everything that makes us who we are. We can use our words to create a more generous and hospitable world. They're one of the most powerful tools that we have. James can sound a little bit pessimistic about this whole enterprise. No one can tame the tongue. A restless evil full of deadly poison, he laments. All of us make many mistakes. All good warnings and reasons to remain humble. But we're not off the hook. The gift and the calling are still ours. We have words that can exclude or include, that can curse or bless, and our faith demands that we take this business seriously. So friends, pay attention. Pay attention to the words you're using and to the worlds they are helping to create. Pay attention to the stories you're telling about others. And be willing to listen when others tell you that your story is too thin. That's actually one of the great gifts of a community of faith. This can be a place where we help one another speak more faithfully.
This can be a place where we teach each other to speak in ways that honor the image of God in all people. All people. Every single complex one. Thanks be to God. Amen.